everybody, welcome to special edition of Video Night, where we discuss the 40th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I am your host, Michael, and my guest this episode... How's it going, Jacob? It's Jacob. I'm doing just fine. I'm still rocking out to the goddamn intro song! <laughs> that, uh, that CD is actually kind of rare. It's uh, out of print. It is called the Rocky Horror Punk Rock Show, and it takes all the songs, you know... And just gives it a faster beat. I absolutely love this album. I love the original, of course, but there's something very special about this. One of my favorite bands, uh, The Phenomenas, does an excellent cover. And, uh, you know, the Ataris, they started there. This is from, I think, about 10 years ago. Alkaline Trio, who is a fantastic album. They're really dark and creepy. Perfect for Halloween, does over at the Frankenstein place. And, oh! Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, let's, let's hear this. Mm. But, but uh, I don't want to like just listen to the soundtrack. It sounds delicious. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. It's, this one's really close to the original. In the Alright, that's just a little bit. We're not going to get too boiled down into what's on the soundtrack. Uh, but uh, it's a really excellent album. Sure. and um, But mostly we're going to talk about the 40th anniversary of the movie. And our experiences with it. And oddly enough, we've actually recorded this episode before. My equipment shut down and we tried a different method. And it sounded like I was yelling from across uh, the state over to Jacob. And it just sounded horrible. So, take two! It's as if, you know, the Hunchback of Notre Dame was just trying to sing opera. Yes. It was... Sanctuary! The, uh... For me, Rocky Horror Picture Show was uh, a challenge actually to get through uh, and don't don't stop the episode there's a reason uh the first time i ever heard about it was my cousin lisa was telling me about it and it was it was her favorite movie so she watched it over and over and i had to see it, 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 it at the time it had just come out on video it was a big deal because it had been playing theaters for 15 years and for the first time they said you know what i think we kind of exhausted the big chunk of the midnight audience Let's put it on video and see if we can get another generation coming in. And it did. It worked. It's still, to this day, it's constantly playing uh, the midnight shows. And that's kind of the rebirth of this movie is in cult cinemas, drive-ins, video. Just It's always uh, after the fact. And that's what makes it for a really great cult film. Jacob, did you discover this on video, TV, theater? Uh, TV. I remember there being an interview with Tim Curry one night. It was like an anniversary special, and I loved. To, uh, you know, I was always a big Tim Curry fan before I discovered Rocky Horror Picture Show because you know it's his voice. It's, I thought he was really funny in Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, and of course Muppet Treasure Island, yeah. where he played Long Long John Silver. And of course, <laughs> I Legend, think that was one. Of- I think both of us had seen Legend, but I don't. I didn't key into the fact it was Tim Curry under all that makeup till years later, and I was shocked to find out. Oh, I know. I mean, how? I mean, look at him. He played darkness. He was the devil, practically. He was like evil and sinister and scary, but at the same time, so sexy. Yeah, that explains it. Very, very <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then I, then I watched this interview, and then it shows a little clip of him singing uh, "Sweet Transvestite," and then I'm like, <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, because you know, I treated you know, like it was a Monty Python episode. I always thought it was funny when you know the. Male cats would dress up as women and act so silly and ridiculous. Yeah. The uh, the first time I saw some video, we were having our movie night. Uh, me and my tight group of friends. I wasn't really like a party guy, like to go out drinking and stuff like that. None of us were. 
I am more comfortable with maybe less than a dozen people. Uh, it, it's, it's, everything seems like it's really fake when you go to a big party with tons of people. You just find yourself having these conversations that aren't really conversations. This was where we could all hang out, watch crappy movies or underground stuff. That's where I would discover Monty Python, Strange Brew, uh, Evil Dead, stuff like that. And uh, one night, my best friend, Ron, said we got to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like a year or two ago, one of my uh, one of my cousins was trying to get me to watch that, but I just never got around to it. And he's like, oh, you got to see it. So we watched it at the movie party. And I think it was like the last of the trilogy. We always watch three movies. And uh, right. I found myself kind of getting tired. And I wasn't really in it. Some of the songs were cool. I really liked uh, Time Warp. And... It was, it was the fact that I was tired also at the time, and I apologize for this, but, you know, a lot of us, you know, uh, Indiana guys were kind of homophobic. I wouldn't say I'm straight out, like, full-on homophobic, but I, I think I was kind of uncomfortable with any ideas like gay people or, you know, lesbians, uh, transsexuals, or transsexuals, like anything that was just not the, the typical what you were used to, in, especially in Indiana. So I think I was uncomfortable the first time I saw it because I was thrown off by the whole thing. It wasn't until it wasn't until a few years later when we were watching in college and it just clicked. You know, I was older, I was more comfortable with who I was, and I wasn't afraid of, you know, different behavior. And uh, it was more freeing. I, I finally started to embrace the movie. And uh, I, I seem to recall buying the soundtrack and listening to it every single morning to get me going, to rev me up. And it's, it's a fantastic album. I think my roommate ended up hating my guts <laughs> for it. <laughs> Oh, dude, I don't blame him. I mean, he can only take he can only take so much. I mean, yeah, it's a great uh, album. I even have it on a vinyl. I found it at a record store. Yeah, um, and yeah, I had the CD. You have the original vinyl, which has I think only ten songs on it. So it means it's missing a few. the The CD, the extended cut CD, has a lot of tracks that are new. Well, not new. They're in the movie, but I mean, they're new to being released on vinyl. Yeah, no, they were never released until now. <laughs> Every great thing should be released. Like a beast. Indeed. And I want to say, you as a child growing up in Indiana, oh, you evil little bastard. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I don't blame you, Michael. I mean, come on. It's okay. I mean, it's not uncomfortable, really, depending on, like, how you grow up around it. Right. Like, you know, with me, just, you know, watching what I watch with Monty Python and all that. And then, of course, years go by, never discriminated, never hated him. And then 2012 comes around, I decided to dress up as Dr. Frankenfurter for Halloween. Oh, man. Did that just, like, hug your grapes? I mean, could you? Were you comfortable? Well, the panties were a little loose, so I had to wear some black underwear underneath it. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered what it was like to... I, I mean, I have to admit, now as a grown-up, I don't give a shit what people think. I'm curious what it feels like to wear those. I mean, does it feel like... It's, is it like a thinner version of superhero late uh, costume? You know, like the... What is it? Latex? Um, spandex, I mean. Spandex. It's quite comfortable, actually, yes. My name is Larry David, and I enjoy wearing women's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because <laughs> Jeff I... tried to get Larry to convince that the oh, panties in his car God. were not some other woman's. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, with, with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's freeing. It's, it's, it's about being who you want to be. It, it doesn't even have to have to do anything with sexuality. It's about having a good time, about releasing the stress of your world and just, even if it's just for the time that that movie is running, to jump into that world, be somewhere else, and just let go. And I can totally embrace an idea like that. 
true. And critically speaking, it's also for, you know, people who are sexually repressed. I mean, that's from a critical standpoint. I'm not trying to bash it. I mean, it's people, sometimes, uh, when you say something like that and people react negatively, it's their fault for not appreciating the difference between negativity and critical thinking. Right. Uh, the, what was I going to say? Um, when this plays in theaters, I wanted to go for years, but I could never find the money because in college I was insanely broke to find the money or it was sold out. There was one thing or another getting in the way. And then I actually saw a version of it on VH1, I believe, where they filmed it live. I think it was for the 20th anniversary, or maybe 25th. Right. And they showed it live, and I didn't realize that people just yelled the entire time, scream, you know, throw stuff. And uh, it's an event, but it's an event that I didn't really want to partake in anymore because for me, when it comes to movies, I lose myself in that world completely, and I don't want to be distracted. So <laughs> squirt guns and confetti and uh, people up on the stage. What do you call it? Shadow-rama? Yeah. That kind of thing bugged me. I think I've loosened up now that I could probably enjoy it. So it's it's airing this Saturday at our local theater, so I might go. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I would highly recommend going. It's really fun and interactive. You get to meet all sorts of people who are scantily clad and proud of it. <laughs> so I don't blame them. Well, I mean, like I said, it's a real fun event. I went to one uh, back in 2013. And how did you feel about I it? Was, I felt great, but I was pissed because I didn't dress up because I couldn't find my heels. Oh, so you don't have to dress up to go see it? I could just go as... No. Oh, nice. I yeah, no, no, no one's going to hate you for it. I'm just like, oh. I, um, I just felt so ashamed. I, <laughs> of the characters, I could probably play Brad if I put on a wig. Or I could play Riff Raff if I put on kind of a wig. Because <laughs> I'm bald. Yes, I know. Just just get some noodles. <laughs> just, get some, just like cook some noodles, strain them, and then just like tape them around your head. I do have the physique of Rocky, though. Almost. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating either. I'm, I'm almost as big as oh, Rocky. Oh. <laughs> what is your favorite song? Uh, oh gosh, I'd have to say it's a debate between Sweet Transvestite and uh, Hot Patootie. Yeah. Uh, I, there's something that a touch, a touch, a touch. It's Meatloaf. Me. I wanna be dirty. There's something, or uh, what is it? Um, yeah, I know. Was he a star before Rocky Horror? I thought he broke out afterwards. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure he was a singer before, or just up and coming. Right, but Bad Out of Hell, I think, came out right after Rocky. And uh, we were discussing this before is that uh, his career kind of fell apart because he had some sort of psychosomatic thing keeping him from singing. It wasn't actually like he damaged the cord. It's like his brain itself was not allowing him to get to a certain point. And so he kind of sort of retired. He started doing movies and stuff like that. And then in uh, 93, he came back with Bad Out of Hell 2. And it was massive. Oh. And nobody, nobody has yet to figure out, hey, what is it that he won't do for love? I won't do that. You're like, what? What is it? What won't you do? <laughs> uh, Probably kill a man. For a contact bar. <laughs> was that a, was that a possibility in the relationship? Yes, I'd like you to kill my father. Oh, what? Yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> my ex boyfriend, perhaps <laughs> the one who you were replacing. Like, it's like really, I have to fight to the death for you for this crap. Oh, come <laughs> on, no, sorry, you're too superficial. You're too controlling. I'm not some man. I'm I'm not to be on your leash. Bye, Felicia. The uh, I, when you went back to the well one too many times. Bad out of hell three and nobody cared by then. I didn't even think it was platinum. 
It didn't. Nah, two out of three ain't bad. That's true. That's true. Not at all. No, yeah, you're right. I think that's why he wrote that song. <laughs> I, actually, I actually stole that from Jacob. I didn't think you were going to come up with it. You said that last time, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. But now it's your turn, Michael. No, you. it's his your turn. I'm, I'm, I'm always saying shit. <laughs> now, you didn't know that there was a semi-sequel. Shock Treatment, which uh, I absolutely right. adore, which most people despise this movie for one reason or another, including the studio that made it. Yeah, they decided, eh, we're going to dump it. And I don't even think it made, uh, I don't even know if it made a million dollars. And it uh, was lost on video for a very long time. It was very expensive to find a VHS copy of it. There is a DVD out there. I think it would be a brilliant choice to put out Rocky Horror Picture Show, 40th anniversary, with the soundtrack. Because honestly, why are you, why are people putting together uh, new versions of movies, yet not at any point have they gone, oh, well, why don't we throw in the Footloose soundtrack with the movie or Grease? Everybody knows these songs. Everybody loves these albums. Throw them in together. Indeed. And I'm Although, gonna throw in Shock Treatment. Oh yeah, Shock Treatment. Yeah, no. Uh, honestly, is that are Brad and Janet like in an asylum getting Shock Treatment? Is that uh, why the name? It's okay. Are they being? Are they getting lobotomies? What it is? Enemas. A new cast, basically playing Brad and Janet. It's um. Jessica Harper replacing Susan Sarandon and um, crap. I, I said I can't even remember now. Uh, man, I that guy I, that was in that one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I said the last time without even like uh, any pause whatsoever. All right, well, let's move on for there. But uh, so Cliff DeYoung. Cliff DeYoung, thank you. You are very fast. Uh, Richard O'Brien, Patricia mm. Quinn, and Little Nell, Charles Gray, all return, but as different characters, so it's kind of confusing. It's a sequel, but it's not. It's almost like it's in an alternate universe. It's as if it's on Earth 2, uh, where things are very similar, but so much is tweaked that it, it kind of throws it off a little bit. Alright, Brad and Janet are now having trouble with their marriage. They go to Denton, USA, which is kind of mentioned in Rocky Horror Picture Show. You'll notice that there's a big billboard at the very beginning of the movie. And uh, mm. they decide to go on this show, which is it's it's reality TV basically before reality TV really took off. It's, uh, I believe, 1981. It's a mixture of game show, reality TV, and almost like Truman Show. They're living their lives out, but they're being viewed by an audience that sits in the, the, the chairs, you know, the um, stadium seating, and they never leave. They stay there day and night. Their lives are watching this show of other people living out their lives. It's very cerebral. It, the songs are not glam rock like the first movie. They're more new wave, and I think a lot of that really just turned the fans of Rocky Horror off. Most likely did. I'm not even sure if I want to see it, even out of even out of curiosity. Uh, the debate is strong. Oh, I must. Who you are you to tell me watch. what I should watch, ah, motherfucker? Ah, 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 ah. You'll, <laughs> you'll never find it anyway. It's it's kind of hard. You'd have to like buy a copy, I guess. Maybe I will find you one day and I'll I'll send it to you. Got it. Sounds glam. Sounds glamorous and dandy. And. Uh, Richard O'Brien did announce that he is going to bring shock treatment to the stage. It's going to be playing in London. Uh, it said it's uh, debuted spring of 2015, so I haven't heard if that actually did. But hopefully he does. I really enjoy the movie. I would say 90% of Rocky Horror fans hate this movie. And even uh, more, I guess even less, uh, even though it exists. 
Oh, yeah, no, hell, I didn't even know it existed. Now, there was going to be a proper sequel called Return of the Bitch. And I was, uh, when I rediscovered Rocky Horror a couple years after my original viewing, I became a huge, massive fan. And I, you can join, I think, the fan club right now. There is a Rocky Horror fan club. I got my fancy little card and stuff like that. And uh, I remember them announcing, and this is like when the internet was kind of new and there was very few fan pages, so it was fun to discover. They were going to, of course. they were negotiating with Tim Curry, they were trying to get a budget together, and it just never happened. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, there is a Rocky Horror Picture Show official site under RockyHorror.com. It is a fan website, not run by the studio, but run by the fans. Uh, there's also an official page on Facebook. You can check them out. And Time Warp is the official UK Rocky Horror Fan Club, which you should check out. Dang. Yeah. So I'll have to look it up. They're not lacking in stuff to connect with people. That's the great thing is Rocky Horror Picture Show is one of those things where if you're a fan and you find somebody else that's a fan, it's it's a very special moment. It's like Kind of like when a Star Wars fan meets another Star Wars fan no, instead of a Trekkie. this is different. Star Wars is so mainstream. Rocky awesome. Horror, Rocky Horror has gotten a little more mainstream, but Rocky Horror itself is kind of cultish. It, 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 you, you feel like you're in a different... You, one of us. One of us. That's the only thing I think of from Freaks. <laughs> is, that how you, is that how you feel about it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, that is it for us with this episode. You can check out... Those movies are all on Amazon. You can find those soundtracks. I want to say they're on YouTube. Uh, but they're also on Amazon. And... Uh, Check us out on Facebook. We're under Video Night. We're also under Retro Rocket Entertainment. Alright everybody, welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths, the podcast where we discuss major events in comic books, all sorts of weird odds and ends, and uh, we'll discuss TV shows and movies sometimes. Everything in the comic book universe is what we'll discuss. And this episode, we're going to discuss the Mutant Massacre, the major X-Men comic event of the 80s. I'm your host, Michael. This is Michael Betts. William, how's it going, William? Oh, very good. I have nothing to say quite as dramatic as what you just did. I don't know why I went so dramatic. <laughs> I was just like on some sort of adrenaline high. I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I talking like this? That's insane. Nobody talks like that. Well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Welcome to laughing. That kind of, like, yeah. what is that guy, uh, Gary, um... Whatever. Well, that guy always had like the little black mm. hair and glasses, and he's always talking like this with his hand to his ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No idea what his name was. Yeah, I can't remember. It's Gary something. Uh, he used to do animated voice work. Uh, Chandling. No. Yeah, Gary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so this episode we're going to be discussing the Mutant Massacre, which is I think the first pivotal uh, X Men storyline that I ever read. Is this your first exposure to X Men when you were a kid? I'm trying to think. Yeah, pretty much. And it's funny that I think I bought my first X-Men right as it was starting, like uh, 209 or something. Yeah, it so, was, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it was 209 or 210 or something like that. It was the one where they're all kind of looking at you, you know, like Rogue, yeah. Wolverine, uh, Colossus, and they're kind of like looking off to the side right at you, and you're like, what the hell? That was a really mm. wonderful cover, and it kind of set the tone for how dark the series was going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it... it uh, that cover made it seem like it was personal, which is it was. So. Yeah. Um, so basically, in this one, it is the, the one I remember was basically uh, 
just kind of a slow intro to Mutant Massacre. I think you and I both have the same issue. Uh, again, back to this. Uh, if you listen to any of the previous episodes, you and I used to get these uh, big boxes for Christmas filled with like 30 comics from Marvel. We got mm-hmm. it from like Sears or JCPenney, and you'll get one mm-hmm. issue of every series they had going at that time. And um, that was one of them. I think that issue where they're all looking at you. And then uh, somewhere along the line, they started doing mm-hmm. the uh, 25th anniversary covers. You know, the ones I'm talking about where all the characters around uh, the, the the outside the border? Yeah. And they would have one guy in profile, and those were amazing. I wonder if anybody has all of those. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I had a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, killed, I want to say, R- I should look this up, RC or something like that. I think I just actually said a Transformers character. Whoops. <laughs> um, she's the one that could like phase into walls, and she had like kind of like a rainbow look to her. Uh, phase into walls, but you don't mean Shadowcat. No, she could like make herself paper okay. thin and slide through things. And oh yeah, I don't remember her name offhand, but she, you know, did she appear like in other issues no, before the issue so. where she died? Well, it's yeah. funny they they kind of so. touched upon the Morlocks about a dozen issues earlier. Chris Claremont kind of dropped little hints in here, and I think um. They were mm. part of a major storyline when Storm was like the head of the Morlocks, and then she had to get into a fight, and then she lost control mm-hmm. of them. And uh, I'm trying to remember if, um, so yeah, you kind of knew them, but they didn't really give you all of the characters. It almost seemed like cannon fodder. Like they'd yeah. introduce them and kill them instantly, just to, like, well, <laughs> we can't kill off any of the real major characters of X, and let's introduce all these mutants and then have them all die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as I read it, I found myself uh, kind of like judging every mutant who was going to die, and being like, is this a really interesting mutant? How sad am I that this one died? That's and terrible. sometimes I was. I was, Yeah, sometimes I was actually very upset, though, like with her, the paper-thin one. I was like, that would be a really interesting superhero, as part of a group, at least. Yeah, I'm but, trying to find uh, it here. I want, it's not Annalie. They're show, it shows the characters who die. Annalie, Berserker, mm. Blowhard, Cybul, Piper, Scaleface, Tommy, Zeke. Um, who the hell are all these mm. people? I remember Annalie. That's about it. She was the older lady yeah. that was protecting those children. And that is all the characters oh, yeah. that died? Well, they said that a lot of them were generic. So yeah, because there were dozens and dozens that were supposed to have died. Yeah, you can almost tell when they're going to die, when they're like, eh, their power is they turn to jello. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of them were very, very minor <laughs> powers. So basically, you know, they're they're in the tunnels and they're they're wiping them out. And I gotta tell you, the the villains were horrifying. Part is the way they were drawn, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is just like these guys were ruthless. I feel like they were out of a Mad Max movie. Like if Road Warrior had combined with a superhero comic, that's what we were looking at. Yeah. What were their names? Uh, I mean, uh, the name of their group, the Deviants? Uh, no. Uh, crap. <laughs> I can't remember. Marauders, Do you have the details on the Marauders, I can't believe I forgot. Yes, the Marauders. Uh, yeah, I I think I'd only seen them like once before that, and knew nothing about them. Who hired them? I, I'm trying to remember. I thought it was Mister Sinister. Like they eventually they figured yeah. this out. They don't answer it in the actual Mutant Massacre storyline. I believe that Mister Sinister hired Gambit to put the group together. Mm. The group uh, yeah. is. Uh, let's see if I remember everybody. Sabretooth is the only one that everybody knew. And this is before he became a major, major villain. He had just kind of popped up in, wasn't he like an Iron Fist and uh, Power Man and stuff like that and a couple other series before he really became like an X-Men villain. Mm. But wait, which villain did you just say? Sabretooth. Sabretooth, okay, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, oddly enough, he started in what Heroes for Hire? Did you say that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, it was an Iron Fist like storyline that he carried over to yeah Heroes for Hire, Power Man and Iron Fist, and um, then yeah. slowly became like a pivotal character in Wolverine's backstory. Yeah, I wonder if they knew that when they introduced him, uh, you know, way back when. I don't know. It seems like it's Chris Claremont was probably going through this. I don't even know how it works in comics. Do they have like a binder? Yeah. That's oh, these are the <laughs> available characters, and you can go through the binder and go, oh, he's not being used in the storyline right now. Mine, and then you can kind of manipulate, especially if they're a fresh character that really has yeah. kind of a set history or a set villain. And they're like, well, he's just kind of a guy that hasn't been established yet. And like, can I have him? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You're reminding me of Mitt Romney's binders full of women. Uh, I don't know if you meant that, but <laughs> no. Mitt Romney has a binder of women. Tell me more. Oh yes, that was his defense about um, that he didn't have many women in his companies and organizations. He said that. Oh, that's right. Asked, the binders he, filled with women. Oh, yes, he said that he had them bring him binders full of women to to choose from. That's uh, <laughs> for a couple of his companies. I borrowed them from Marvel Comics. They were going to use them as characters. Oh, these these are real women. Oh yeah. shit. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I can kind of imagine it working a pretty similar way. Like, they probably had some sort of database system of, like, you know, who has what dibs on which character and, and stuff like that. And who's out of commission. Like, they just reuse, they just used it, like, six months ago, and the character's in Oblivion or something. They can't use them right now. It's like, oh, damn, that was the whole storyline was resting on the character. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can imagine a lot of these big crossovers, you know, uh, Crisis, Secret Wars, things like that probably had to do a lot of that kind of stuff that, that's, too i'm pretty sure that's what all the editor assistants do it's just organize mm. where the characters are at any time <laughs> yeah that makes sense now it's probably an app that's on their phone it's like map quest but of characters so that guy is in oh <laughs> nope nope he's dead <laughs> oh funny um so basically Sabretooth is the only one that really existed before this and definitely exists afterwards i don't i don't think i've ever seen any of these characters most of them are dead uh scalp hunter mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure is still alive there's harpoon um, I'm sure he, Harpoon, I think, is the one that throws the big explosive kinetic uh, spikes. And mm. um, there is, okay, so the villains are Arclight, Harpoon, Malice, Riptide, Scalp Hunter, and Sunfire. Now, I, it says that on the Marvel page, <laughs> but I don't recall Sunfire being any part of this. We're talking Sunfire, Sunfire, right? Like X-Men, previous I, X -Men team member. I wouldn't think so. I thought that guy, like, died after a year. Uh... Uh, maybe. Oh, no, I'm reading um, this wrong. It says current members. I knew someone was right when I was looking that up. Uh, uh, okay, so I remember Vertigo being part of it. Scrambler, I don't recall. Prism, yes, I remember. I think his neck gets snapped by Cyclops. No. Mm. Uh, Riptide is the one I thought was dead. Riptide's the one that spins really fast and he sh throws all those Chinese stars and knives yeah. and stuff like that. And then I'm pretty sure Cyclops, or not Cyclops, Colossus grabs him and cracks his neck. But this is uh -huh. after he is sliced to ribbons. And, you know, um, none of the hmm. X-Men actually die from this, but a lot of them get severely injured, which would lead to other storylines. Why this is hmm. so pivotal, because... All right, let's take the characters here. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I only read the X-Men side of this. Did you read the whole thing with Power Pack, Thor, Daredevil, and um, uh, yeah. X-Force, uh, X-Factor? Yeah, I had a collected edition that had just, just about everything in it. Damn, yeah. I didn't get to read that part. So you might have to read me through some of this. But um, I know in the X-Factor is uh, the only person that really gets hurt is Angel because they did have uh, Power Pack and X-Factor had um, the New Mutants, I think, helping them. I can't remember. 
but uh, uh, only Angel yeah. is the one that's severely injured. They they basically uh, destroy his wings. They have to cut off his wings because they get infected, which was horrifying yeah. to me as a child. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. Um, I think he was trying to protect Leech and uh, the other little boy, Caliban, mutant. before he became like. Oh uh, yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, and they caught him, and like they had these crazy. Uh, harpoon. I guess it was Harpoon that was doing it. He had these harpoons that could just like kill a mutant in one blow, and uh, but he stuck two of those into each of his wings and then just left him there to die. Yeah, they usually explode. Is what they're always showing is they, as he throws those harpoons, they have like this weird energy and it explodes in their back or whatever. Yeah, so I don't mm -hmm. know if they didn't explode the wings. Um, but yeah, they leave him hanging and it gets all infected and nasty, so they have to cut it off, which is just i mean angel that's uh, just such a he's such a beautiful character i mean the, f the fact yeah. that he's a called angel but two he's so graceful and that is his power is that he can fly he took that away and then i believe he kills himself am i wrong mm -hmm. i think he tries to I, I don't remember and then po apocalypse gets a hold of him somehow but i, I forget how that works yeah i can't remember if he actually mm. dies or apocalypse gives him the offer to have his wings back but he yeah. has to be one of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which is a storyline later, which is insane. Mm -hmm. I had nightmares <laughs> for years after this uh, because of pestilence. There's something about pestilence freaked mm. me out. Yeah, that. Where did he? How did he kill people? Did he just look at them or no, touch them? No, he touches you. He... he touches you. It's like yeah. Um, there's a character in the Spider-Man universe that has that too, where he touches you. Uh, yeah. Wrath. Um, mm. I have to look that up. Wrath. Anyway, yeah, it sounds right. Whatever. He had like this shroud over him, whatever, and he'd touch you, and he was like wither. Like you were, he was, he was a living cancer, and he was riddling to nothing. It's gross. Um, yeah. But uh, so he's the only real casualty of the X Force or X Factor side. Mm -hmm. um, this is before X Force. I should stop saying this. this is still New Mutants world. Mm. But mm -hmm. uh, over on the X Men side, they're just getting the snot beat out of them. Uh, so Colossus mm -hmm. is completely chopped up, and he goes into a coma. And the only way to keep him alive is Magneto has to do some sort of weird alter thing with his metal, and he stays in that he can't move, he can't use anything. It's completely useless. Yeah, uh, Magneto thinks that he heals him, uh, but when he's done healing him, yeah, he can't change back. So he's he's completely stuck. And, and, and Kitty uh, is damaged because while she's in her phasing mode, she gets hit by the harpoon, I believe, and she gets stuck in that. Yeah, I think it catches her, like, right as she phases, and so, like, you know, it, like, barely gets her body, but then somehow, yeah, screws up her phasing. And, and she thinks that, like, she's, uh, well, the worst part is she keeps, like, phasing more and more, and they think she's going to just become a ghost and completely disappear. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, they really, mm -hmm. Chris Claremont really taps into what is the scariest thing that could happen to any of these people. There's no safe place. Mm. I mean, you think that, oh, well, they're the heroes, they're going to live through this, and you're not sure after it's over. I mean, there's so much damage. Mm -hmm. I thought Nightcrawler was uh, going to die. Even back then, I read it, uh, and I was like, he already had the crab beat out by uh, Nimrod uh, in the previous arc, mm. and then he gets just pummeled to nothing, like almost bloody meat, mm. and, you know, he's in a coma, um, which it just, it, he's yeah. a fan favorite of mine. Uh, I think a lot of people dig yeah. Nightcrawler. Yeah, I loved him the most when he was in uh, Excalibur, actually. He was, like, really funny and entertaining yeah. in that series. And I was about to mention that. Because uh, Kitty and Nightcrawler are out of commission, uh, I think it was, like, about 
12 issues later where the X-Men disappear. I think it was right after, hmm. not Extinction Agenda, Fall of the Mutants. They disappear, so now they're left on their own. Colossus is still um, stuck in his frozen state, and then they go off to England and they join Captain Britain and um, one of the Phoenixes, X2, I believe. And mm-hmm. that was a really interesting storyline because um, it just seemed out of the normal realm. Like most uh, Marvel stories are set in New York or L.A. Mm. And you get kind of yeah. bored with it. And then Alan Davis and Chris Claremont put together this series, which was really well done. But I think it only had a cult following. It didn't last as long as you mm. wanted it to. And it was a very unique creative idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they went to Australia also, but... Maybe that was only part of the team, but I definitely remember that. Well, that was after Fall of the Mutants, when they went to, like, God, we have to reread that storyline. I think they go through some sort of time warp or whatever, and they end up in the, um, mm-hmm. the uh, what do you call it? What is the backwoods of Australia? Uh, the Outback. Oh, is that literally? Okay, yeah. I feel like a fool that just said and, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, the, yeah, then there's, like, a magical Aborigine guy. And I, I forget what all happened. Yeah, I remember it was, kind of, it was really trippy around that time. And that's when I actually stopped reading it for about a year because it was too <laughs> high-minded and trippy for my 10-year-old brain to handle. And we should actually read that and explore that sometimes, see if we still find it like, yeah. I don't get it, or, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, talking about the X-Men here, uh, Aurora uh, Storm... I feel like she doesn't, like, get very physically hurt, but she, like, mentally gets just absolutely destroyed because she was supposed to be the leader of the uh, Morlocks, and now almost all of them are dead. Yeah, she also had uh, no powers during this time period. Yeah, so that just, like, tears her apart, and she tries to uh, to leave the X-Men, even. She tries to just give up being a leader of anything, Morlocks or the X-Men. Yeah, this is a rough time for the X-Men because they had lost Cyclops. You know, he was their leader for so mm. long, but there's so much infighting, and of course, with uh, um, Jean Grey dying, uh, things were never really the same for him. So, you know, it became like this battle between who was really the leader, and, and Aurora, you know, being the leader of the Morlocks and the X-Men was a conflict of interest, or maybe not a conflict of interest, but like just too much on her table. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if, let's see, you didn't get to, at least not recently, read the X-Factor part of this, right? No, I have not been able to read that part yet. I think I'm just going to go buy the collected edition of this and go read yeah. it, because I really want to know that side of the story. Is there anything you can tell me mm-hmm. about their side? There's a lot of interesting psychological things going on there, actually, and uh, one of the biggest things is that uh, for Cyclops, he marries a woman who looks just like Jean Grey. I think she's some sort of weird clone of her. Yeah, Madeline and, something, uh, right? Yes, Madeline, I think. And uh, But then Jean, Cre- Jean Grey, and I don't remember how, comes back from the dead. And so then he's completely freaking out. He's like, she's the love of my life, but I, I married Madeline. I had a baby with her. I, you know, I really need to stay with her, but I need to be an X-Man, and also, I love Jean Grey, so he's just, like, he's just tearing himself up inside, and also Angel loves Jean Grey, so he's not happy with, with, well, I think he's happy that Jean Grey's alive again, but he's freaking out that Cyclops is gravitating right back to her. Um, I would love to read the whole beginning of X-Factor because, you know, this was a weird period of time for those characters that were the original X-Men because, oh, the X-Men aren't selling very well. Let's introduce a whole new line. Oh, we don't know what to do with these characters. Well, keep Cyclops. uh, Jean Grey will kill her off. 
And then Iceman, <laughs> Angel, and Beast. Uh, okay, you guys go to do the, the Defenders, I guess. You know, that weird hodgepodge team mm. of people who are no use to, to anybody. I want to read the Defenders, mm-hmm. too, because that was such a weird title. Yeah, it was. Um, it had a very strange lineup uh, kind of throughout it. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, X-Factor was so weird to me, too, because I loved X-Men, and then I tried X-Factor, and I was like, What's going on here? They like, they wear business suits most of the time. I remember that. And yeah, and they're leading this, they're leading this double life, and they're like running a business and filming commercials. Oh, this isn't superhero stuff. I don't understand. I felt like yeah. it was Mutant Busters. Like, oh, Ghostbusters was a huge hit. You've got a mutant. We can solve your problem. Yep, that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> uh, mutant Busters. And, and in the final chunk of the storyline is. Post massacre, people are, you know, they got him out of the tunnels. They're saving who they can. They've defeated most of the Morlocks. I think most of them are dead by this point. But uh, Sabretooth uh, follows Wolverine back to the mansion and just decimates what's left of that team. Uh, Psylocke, before she became like uber samurai uh, Asian, she was like a British chick, mm. which I'm, I'm pretty sure is Captain Britain's sister, right or wrong? Uh, I believe you're right, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> oh, everybody, if we're wrong on this, don't fly up our butt. But, you know, you can school us a little bit. It's fine. But don't be like, yeah. you guys are a bunch of dumb assholes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm pretty sure yeah, I know. she was a British chick, and she was all these this flowy clothes and everything, and, and basically has to defend herself against Sabretooth through most of that uh, issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and she's completely terrified, uh, but she does a pretty good job of it. Um, but, it, yeah, I'm I'm just thinking about Psylocke right now, so I'll... I'll Trying to get away from that. I'm trying to think, like, how did she become the Asian thing? The Mandarin got a hold of her. Is that right? Yeah. If and I crazy shit to her. Had to take her brain pattern and took it over to mm. another person. That is much farther down. I think it's like thirty or something yeah. down the line. This is right when like Dazzler yeah. and Longshot had started being part of the team, and uh, mm. it got kind of goofy for a little bit until Inferno came. Do you remember the Inferno storyline? Inferno. Uh, is that where they like go to Hades? Basically, or something else. Oh, no, you think you're thinking of the Fantastic Four versus Mephisto. Um, this is oh, where hell yeah. on earth basically opens up. Demons are all over New York City. You got Spider-Man oh, fighting yes, the demonic yes. version of the Hobgoblin and stuff like that. Great storyline. And yeah. uh, But it hadn't gotten that bizarro yet. Uh, this is just that one mm-hmm. weird thing where you think it's going to be a breather issue, and it's not. It's almost more intense than the mm-hmm. Mutant Massacre itself, especially once Wolverine and Sabretooth go head-to-head and just tear each other up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a pretty awesome issue. And I think this is the arc that ba- basically brought it into the top ten. Mm. You think? Because I, uh, I don't recall hearing about the X-Men whatsoever. And looking back on history, yeah. it was always a good seller, and it had a decent mm-hmm. following, and people were like, uh, it was critically acclaimed. But with the exception of mm-hmm. Days of Future Past, um, I don't think people had talked about it much afterwards. And it, uh, this event... That just blew up. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, their version of Crisis on Infinite Earths, where every single year they yeah. had to have some major event. Yeah, you know, I think you're right because uh, I know the death of Jean Grey was a huge thing, and uh, the other storyline you just mentioned, which I can't think of at the moment. Would you just say Days of Future was the other uh, major one? Oh, Days of Future Past. Yes, that that was that was a classic. Um, but then they just. Yeah, they just kind of trailed off into just a variety of, of short, very short story arcs that weren't that memorable. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're you're right that this put them 
back at uh, being right near the very top at Marvel. And, uh, like, I remember that these issues, like, just blew up almost immediately. Like, a year later, they were, like, 20 bucks or something. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it became extremely hot. I will say this, immediately after this storyline is one of the worst X-Men comics ever, is where Storm fights <laughs> Freedom Force, a bunch of geriatric <laughs> prime fighters. Fucking worst piece of garbage. I don't know what was going on. They're like, oh, we're, we're short on time. We, got, we have to have this to the, the publisher immediately. What do we have? I have this old script that I was just kind of futzing around with from like 10 years ago. Oh, uh, it works? Okay, cool. Awful. Yeah, I felt like that was a... Uh, a big misstep and i was like oh i thought this was an amazing comic um what is this <laughs> but i mean in her defense she does fight them without her powers right so like it is kind of harrowing and all that but those guys are very goofy so overall no not yeah. not good <laughs> uh so i say definitely check out this storyline if you are an x-men fan and you haven't read this you need to immediately because Almost everything in the 80s uh, changed for that universe. The X-Men guys, their whole character arc changed after the storyline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this like if you want to understand the X-Men of the late 80s and early 90s, uh, it kind of all starts here. All right, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we have all of our episodes under the Back in Tunes page, which is our animated podcast episode uh, guide, whatever. Uh, I don't know if we're going to develop another page for Comics on Infinite Earth. I'm kind of overstretched right now with too many podcasts <laughs> and too many pages. I get confused. But if you demand it, if you desperately need it, uh, let us know. We'll build a page, and then um, we can randomly ignore it and forget that we have it. <laughs> That's not the right answer. I mean, right. shit, uh, we'll post stuff from, about comic book pages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you guys can check out my podcast. It's uh, Comics I Read to You. And uh, it's kind of a, a sillier take on comics where uh, often I, I play various characters and, uh, and do uh, a lot of wacky stuff. The so. RoboForce episode is doing very well. <laughs> this, if you have not is listened it? to the episode yet, uh, William pretends that he <laughs> has basically taken some sort of uh, amphetamine. <laughs> Something to speed him up to the point where he has a nervous breakdown while trying to read RoboForce comics. <laughs> It's it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I can actually, like, I'm the one who did it, and I can actually sit down and, like, listen to it again and actually be entertained, so I probably said because Do you ever listen to yourself like, is that what I sound like? Oh, God, I could have done that differently. <laughs> I should talk like yeah. this every episode. Yeah, I cringe occasionally, yeah. but, uh... <laughs> Um, so I want to say, everybody, if you have been listening to the episodes, William has been carrying this uh, a lot better than I have. Uh, so thank you very much for doing the crossover episodes and having guests on. Uh, I think I might be just overdoing it on the other shows. So I'm going to kind of back off a little bit on the other ones and fill in some more episodes mm. here and there. And actually, take time to read, kids, because if you don't, mm. you'll end up working retail the rest of your life, hating society and doing things like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've been doing very well, and uh, I'm just I'm glad this exists. All right, thank you, everybody, <laughs> and as always, be excellent to each other, and have a good night. Go read some comic books, guys.
Welcome to Stumbling Towards Adulthood, our Halloween special. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host, Tony. What's up? What's happening, man? I was thinking uh, earlier about what theme music I should use for this. Everybody uses the same damn songs for Halloween. They're always using Thriller or uh, Very Superstitious, you know, uh, the cliches. And I figured, you know what? Everybody forgot about this song. This song was huge. And uh, all of a sudden, I see it in the Walmart commercials for Halloween. I was like, well, I guess it's not completely forgotten. Uh, 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 cool Modi, right? Uh, no, Houdini. Oh, my bad. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, and the funny thing is, for the first five minutes of the song, it's all the same lyric, but it's it's a pretty damn good Halloween song. A lot of people forgot about it. Uh, another one I was thinking about playing is Nightmare on My Street by Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which never gets played anymore because I think they got sued out of oh. existence. Shit, I forgot about that one. <laughs> totally forgot about that one. I should end it with that one. Um, so this episode, we're going to discuss what it was like for us, you know, Halloween in the 80s, uh, 90s, you know, when it started to fade out for us and, and, and where Halloween stands now. But um, Halloween is my favorite holiday. I don't know where it stands for you, but I absolutely just adore Halloween. It is trailed off. It was when I was a kid, um, for sure. Uh, but because, you know, they, not only that, but I got to hang out with my friends. You know, there's the holiday itself. I got to hang out with my friends at nighttime on a school night, usually. So that was kind of, you know, you feel like you're breaking the rules a little bit. But from now on, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like much ado about nothing. And it just seems like it's, uh, it seems like it's, uh, it's weaker than it used to be. I don't know. It seems like it's not as enough. Uh, Holly magic's gone, I suppose. Maybe it's just me. You know, it could be different for other kids. But. Well, I will say some things have changed because, you know, now we're too old to trick or treat. And you on your end, you have to worry about getting the kids, you know, their costumes, get them to a safe place for candy. Um, I mean, when we were kids, we could find candy in a ditch. We're like, fuck, it's candy in the, in the package. We're good. <laughs> it's all oh, yeah, for real. Um, yeah. But it, it's also like the pressure. Everybody, it seems like everybody says Christmas is their favorite holiday, but it's like, well, you get shit, you buy shit, you get stressed out about getting the right thing. Uh, you stand along lines. I don't like Christmas. I like the feeling of the season, like the idea of giving. And I like, you know, like the cold nights where you're bundled up, you're watching. I have a weird thing where I watch Mystery Science Theater 3000 during Christmas a lot. Um, no, no I, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's like also, like, there's a pressure to have, like, make the most out of your Christmas. Like, it has to be great. Like, you have to be filled with some ridiculous sense of joy. Like, it always feels like, I always feel like, I don't think I'm that joyful this Christmas. I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm not, I'm not embracing it the way I should. I never felt that with Halloween. I'm like, yeah, I'm just fucking doing this Halloween shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it, and Christmas, like, yeah, I'm not, I don't feel, I don't feel enough Christmas spirit. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, no one's ever like, I'm not feeling the Halloween spirit. It's like, can you just kind of like ride with it? You kind of like, 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 let it go. Merry Christmas, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, haha. Uh, happy holidays. People lose their minds. Like, happy holidays. Fuck you, it's Merry Christmas. <laughs> no one says that on Halloween. No, it's all Hallows Eve, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's no, you know, but I do, um, same with Christmas, you know what I mean? That like, comes out as pagan, uh, uh, Pegging a stigma attached to it. Same with Halloween. I, I every once in a while I run into like a hardcore Christian who will refuses to celebrate Halloween because they just I, I equate it with the devil yeah. and you just want a satanic ritual. Not really. It's like it's like a winter harvest or something. Something to do with the winter solstice or etc. You know. Yeah, you just uh, kind of want to go calm down there, buddy. Just relax a little bit. <laughs> just, just just a little bit of masquerade and having candy. Let's 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 calm it down a bit. You know. 
Yeah, uh, in, in you know that wasn't really a thing at all for me. I don't know if that's a, a newer thing where people are so like crazy about going up against Halloween. But when I was a kid, there was never any bitching. The only thing I remember there being was, uh, oh, don't don't eat anything that's not like wrapped up because there's razor blades in it, which I I've, I've heard of like the urban legend, but I don't know anybody who's ever got anything like bad in their food. I saw like the origin of that myth, and it only happened like maybe like two people like in history or like. Maybe there's some copycat cat sets throughout the years, but there was like one guy, uh, I think maybe I want to say, sixties or seventies, and he like a uh, couple. He had a few poison piece of candies, and a few kids kids got some. But as far as like the razor blades and syringes and craziness, I think that's just all, all, all a bit of urban legend. There's not not a lot of truth behind it. And uh, yeah, but my mom never X-rayed my candy or <laughs> did someone that do that? People do that. People go to the hospitals and like uh, X-ray their candy before the kids eat them, and you know what I mean. Their parents will have to inspect it thoroughly, or, like you know. Well, what does the radiation do to the candy? That can't be healthy. <laughs> that's that's true. I guess I guess, I guess you have to like uh, <laughs> weigh the pros and the cons. Get some candy. Get some. Yeah, you might grew up in that satanic panic kind of era where everything was like all of a sudden starting to switch. You know, oh, you couldn't play D&D because you had heard an urban legend where kids thought it was real and they killed each other. Oh, you can't eat apples from somebody at Halloween because there's razor blades in it. Oh, there's a Yeti in the backyard. Wait, hold on. What was that last one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, in a, and, and if you had, like, your hair was even slightly long, you're some kind of crazy headbanger equal to Satan. If, like, so if you're, like, in the rock, like, yeah, you just guys into Satan. Like, well, how do you feel? His hair's long. Equal Satan. Oh, he's a hatcher. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the funny thing is Heavy Metal was kind of having a Halloween horror kind of vibe to it. Sword and Sorcery was a big part of it. So I just remember, like, as a kid, you know, of course there's Kiss. Kiss scared the shit out of me the first time I saw him, but then later I got okay with it. There was Kiss, there was Ozzy Osbourne, and, you know, you have all the, the metal bands starting to take, like, a darker tone. So that was a weird vibe going on in the early 80s, too. Well, like, also, like, even, like, mid up until later 80s, like, with Megadeth and Iron Maiden. So it all kind of came to a head. So, like, Hall so we're kids during, during the 80s and Halloween. It's all, like, all kind all kinds of fun. Heavy metals going around. It, you know what I mean? It's, uh, there's, like, kind of, like, a satanic kind of scare or parental advisory, you know, whatnot. It all just kind of came to a, this, this happy storm of, like, Halloween was super fun because it was kind of, like, uh, you know, kind of dangerous at the same time. So it just really added to the, uh, to like like to, to the spooky mysterious effect, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you get to watch horror movies at all when you were a kid, or was that something like later in life? Um, I think my mom gave up on trying to censor me at an early age. She knew <laughs> I was gonna find a way. She was like, you know what? I can't. I can't keep tabs on this kid all the time. I gave up. But we never really had like cable or anything serious. So she, I guess, she figured if he if he finds it, more power to him. God bless him, because you know what I mean. I'm not gonna enable him, but if he if he gets it. I can't stop him. Staying up until 2 o'clock in the morning, trying to record some sort of movie you found on the independent station. The later you're like, why did I watch this? Well, I guess it's the only thing that was yeah, available I, to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, like smuggling, uh, you know, DVD, well, sorry, uh, VHS uh, tapes and, like, you know, cassettes from people. And that's, you know, that's how your exposure, that's the true underground stuff, like stuff getting, like, uh, you know, cycled around, like, by hand, you know. No, 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 you know, not able to download anything. So it's like everything yeah. has to be by hand. You know, like in the back alley. <laughs> yeah, the porno shops were actually. Oh, we got Halloween over here, and I was like, no, hold on, you can forget the adult stuff. What's this over here? <laughs> oh, we got Friday the 13th. Come over here. What do you like? <laughs> um, for me, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. The house. What's that? 
So that's just as scandalous for your house as having it being horror-centric versus porn-centric, you know? Yeah, it depends on what kind of family you grow up in. I was not allowed to watch horror movies, not because my parents censored me, because they knew that I was kind of one of those overly sensitive kids that um, it would just traumatize me. So they slowly, like, okay, we'll start off with the PG stuff, you know, like Gremlins and Critters and stuff like that, and then slowly work your way up to the R-rated stuff. Um, but I remember finding myself many, many times uh, sneaking over to the grocery store to read Fangoria and Gore Zone, or uh, we'd be at Kohl's and everybody would be shopping for clothes, and I'd find myself wandering around the video part back when they sold videos and reading the backs and the covers of the lurid, ooh, Sleepaway Camp, ooh, what's this? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess a natural progression. You start off with, like, you know, your PG-13s, like, you know what I mean? You get some poltergeist, and you get into, like, and you get into some of the harder stuff, and you get into slasher stuff like like later as you get a little older and you're like your tweens, you know, yeah. which is just make, it makes sense. You don't want to be overexposed to like you know start off, start you want to start off with Chainsaw Massacre, you know what I mean? And everything, everything. I know some small stuff like that when he was like four and five. His mother would drop him off in the movie theater for the whole day, and he would just watch like horribly like uh, he was like six and he saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, and I'm like, that's a disgusting film. What? <laughs> How did they let him in? I mean, how did he get in? There's like, there's like PG-13. They always, they always caught us. They wouldn't sell it to us. The one time we bought like, uh, we bought some tickets to, uh, uh, God, I think it's called Defending Your, was Defending Your Life, Albert Brooks movie. But we bought tickets to that. We were going to try to sneak into like, I think one of Steven Seagal's Marked for Death or Hard to It was Out for Justice, punch, I think. Whatever. I, yeah. But yeah, there was, whatever was out at the same time. Whatever. Three word title that was out at the same time. It always was hard for death, kill you hard, fist in face. You know, so we tried to sneak in an ad, but then we got caught and we had to watch. We had to we had to watch defending. Go like, oh damn it! Not that it was bad. It was just like you know, it was a little too adult. <laughs> I still like not sexual adult, but a little too you know grown up for us. Yeah. I still remember when I was 14 trying to like collude with my friend. I was like, all right, so we're going to go see Ernest Scared Stupid. And then we're going to stay for the second feature, which was Freddy's Dead. And then um, when it was over with, I was just going to step outside and then slowly get back in or whatever. Um, and then my mother's outside picking up my sister because she had seen Ernest Scared Stupid with us. And she's like, you're getting in the car. I'm like, but I want, I want to see Freddy's Dead. No, you're too young for that. Ah. <laughs> to get back. I was like, I paid to see Ernest Scared Stupid twice just so I could try to see Freddy's Dead. Live and learn. That's your money. Oh, my God. That, and I remember the very first time I got to get into a horror movie was uh, Army of Darkness, which if you watch Army of Darkness, there's no reason this is R-rated except for maybe the shower of blood that shoots up in the sky and back down. This thing is a comical adventure with sword and sorcery and skeletons. And I don't understand yeah. why it was right. just like, all right, I got to get somebody who's 18 to take me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like it's really so PG-13 was kind of – it's like it's – I think it was – more a little little more risque back then though because pg-13 like you can see some depth maybe a flash of a boob now like pg-13 is like what pg was for us yeah. you know back in the day it's shocking like, kids that, are definitely um i don't know if you've ever seen it but doc hollywood with michael j fox i've seen that yeah pg it's pg i was in there by myself with like a whole bunch of families together because it was pg michael j fox everybody loves them and all of a sudden julie warner comes out of the water completely naked you see everything and you're like oh Okay, PG. What? Hold on. Is this is this allowed? Did they get this wrong? <laughs> <coughs> I'm so happy I saw this today. <laughs> um, but that was kind of like the '90s for me. Is you know I had given up on trick or treating and I started doing the Halloween parties. You know, get my friends together. 
uh, and we'd have movie parties where we'd find, we started off trying to find like the cheesiest stuff ever, and then we'd just, just grab random horror movies for that night. Um, I don't know if you ever did that once you gave up on trick-or-treating. Yeah, well, we uh, we hung on to it a little, for a little too long, and then we then we just do it for as a goof because we're like, you know, 50-50 chance, chance we'll give us candy or tell us to get the hell out of here, and we really half-ass the costumes. We like we had underwear on our head. That was it. I'm like, hey, trick or treat. It was like, what are you doing? We got underwear on our head. So we're, we're underwear. Did you see weird like, science? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's like weird science. We, that would be bras, but we had like brace on our head. It's even dorkier. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? <laughs> Please tell me you're wearing briefs. No, they're ours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I found it. Yeah, we trained. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely ours. We we weren't even expecting a candy up. Part of part of the fun for us was like the look on people, someone's face, like, dude, seriously, like, what are we talking about? I'm a kid, clearly, like, you're 17. Get out of here. <laughs> you drove here. I just saw you get out of your car. <laughs> I think I saw you shave before you came in the door too. <laughs> that beard is luxurious. Where'd you get it? Oh no, it's mine. <laughs> so, uh, um, besides the movie parties and stuff like that, you know, uh, let's go back to the very beginning. Um, back in the age of the late 70s, early 80s, when the only costumes you could get as a kid was either your mom made it or you found it at the store in that little box, that see-through box from Ben Cooper Mass, and it was, or Don Post. Both of them did these costumes. And uh, they were always that tight, plastic, string, mask, sweaty, drool, collecting in the lip. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was like the plastic facade on the front, and then it was like the little, yeah, the rubber band that goes around the back. And then you have, like, some kind of, uh, plastic uh, top and bottom kind of jumpsuit thing. So whatever, whatever, whatever happened to be, your whole suit was plastic. You were, you were highly flammable. Oh jeez, it was ridiculous. I can't imagine. And, and half the time, kids are like carrying around real pumpkins with lanterns, and I was like, oh, you're a bonfire waiting to happen. Totally, yeah. And that was pretty much it. Those are your your uh, cost, costume choices. Uh, or you like, yeah, exactly. You made up your own. Like the one time I was like a bum. I just had my grandfather's old clothes, you know, and just, you know, you like, up. what are you, guy? Clothes are way too big? No, I'm a bum. Like, uh, okay. I don't know how many kids I saw. That was like a weird trend in that time period is when you'd always have one kid in your class. Everybody had all these great costumes and characters new, and you had the one kid with the, the stick with the little bag on the end. I'm a hobo. I, I did that one too before, too. I also did I'm a hobo. You know, <laughs> I was like kind of tied in with the bum. They kind of really sold the bum thing, you know what I mean? So... Do you, did you ever buy yep. any of those uh, Ben Cooper plastic behemoths? Uh, no, mine were always just a chintzy little uh, tiny little Kmart. Whatever flavor of the day it happened to be. You know what I mean? Jeez, uh, I can't even I can't even remember some of the old ones. It, you know, whatever. You know, maybe it was like a Duke the Hazard thing or something. Yeah. Or it was like I've a... I've seen those. Some, it could be Luke Duke. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah, it's just like crazy, cheesy looking generic white guy face and like some kind of blonde haired thing it's like you know injected plastic molding whatever when you did know, they stop the... selling these because i feel like i didn't see them after the 90s it's like everywhere you went you saw those oh, and all of a sudden it's uh, gone overnight yeah it was like the i guess some someone late 80s they just like N enough of these you know like it's like you have to have like a separate kind of uh elaborate rubber you know over the over the head mask and then, you know, a company buys some kind of crazy costume. They just decide from that point on. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder yeah, if there's some I, sort of suit because they were too flammable or something like that. It was probably that. And they were, like, uh, ill-fitting and hot. You know, especially if you, like, happen to live, like, in Arizona or some shit. And you're doing Halloween. It's got to suck. 
I remember going to the zoo and uh, that mask. My first costume was Bugs Bunny. And I remember being like, I'm hot as hell in this. And everybody's like, well, it's Halloween. It's cold. Let's put your jacket on over your costume. But I'm like, then what's the point of me wearing the costume if I'm wearing a coat over it? Right. Yeah. That's right. I, I remember I took my kids trick-or-treating a couple years ago and it was happened to be chilly out that. And it was like Oregon, so it was raining. Like, So they put, um, they make sure they put like their uh, coat with a hood on over their costume. Like, what is the point of even going out? You know what I mean? What's the point of having a costume on or any that? Just like go up to a door and say, costume candy, please. You know, because you can't even see the costume at all. Yeah. Why is it the parents didn't think, oh, well, maybe they should put some thermal underwear on underneath it and they'll be fine. No, let's cover it all up. Let's even put a hood on them. Yeah, like I think nowadays um, they have all these little specially themed little um, uh, like goodie bags. So it'll be like like a, like a hand with a little thing underneath, or it'll be uh, these cutesy little tight. Yeah, but like I'm I'm thinking, oh look, I'm like, how much candy could that even hold? I mean, back in our day, the optimal thing was to have a pillowcase because you could load that sucker up, you never fill it up. It could hold so much, you know. And if someone tried to and take it, was, you could uh, beat them with it. Oh yeah, and, and you could cinch it up into like like you know like fisted clothes there's no way like you know anybody could like tear tear it off your hands it wouldn't wouldn't break apart it was perfect it was the perfect the perfect bag of the pillowcase now did you ever have someone try to take away your candy you know that was always like a uh like a dark rumor going around like the kids and i kids like i think would uh they said to us they were like hey what's good those kids candy and like i heard that happen to other kids but we were kind of tough customers i mean we weren't like um we weren't like badasses we weren't like pushovers either so I think we could run really fast too. So if there was any kind of like hint of that, and they were like really big, and we we couldn't take them, we'd be out of there like really fast. But I mean, even if these kids could have kicked their ass, they weren't they weren't walk, walking away clean, unless we were like five, and then the kids were like fifteen. Then that'd be a different story. But you know, no one wants to pick on a kid that's super small. You, you know what I mean? So it never really happened to us. I did hear of it happened to other kids, and I felt bad for them. But yeah, it's like it, it was gonna be a tough tough to get it from us like unscathed. You know, so it'd like it. Thankfully, though, that's never really been a super issue. Yeah, I think it's weird as I, I don't think I ever once trick or treated without a parent somewhere around me. Even when I got older, where it got kind of weird, where I could have gone out on my own with like some friends. And then you would see kids like so much younger than you. I was like 12, and I'd see like a five year old just wandering around by himself. I'm like, uh, did he lose somebody? What? Did, did the parents not care what happened? Why are you by yourself out here? Like, there's no protection whatsoever. And those are probably the kids who got, like, taken their candy away. Because this a bully just comes up, smack, who's going to stop me? And, see, I don't know if it was different for, like, like the as the generation transitioned from the late 70s to early 80s. Um, or if my mom just really didn't give a shit about me. But, uh, like, yeah, when I was old enough to, uh, to start trick-or-treating, I guess they, they decided you're old enough to do it when you can do it on your own. So I see kids like, with like ba- parents with babies and toddlers taking them to ha- homes and trick or treating with them all the way up to like they're like eight and then like we all on their own. But with me, uh, I was I think like five five years old was the cutoff point where I was able to start trick or treating and then I just did it on my own because I was five. Go like, ahead. But like I guess she figured he wouldn't go too far. You know, we'd just stay in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, but I guess people just didn't worry about getting abducted or getting hit by a car or you know any of that stuff. Or maybe my mom did and just was like really couldn't be bothered. Hard to say. But yeah, I, when I started trick-or-treating, I was doing it on my own the whole time. But nowadays, I see like, like these loving, protective parents like, wow, good for you guys. Let's you put know? some reflective tape on him. Let's make sure he's on a leash. You know, we have a body and a tracker even, on him. I, I didn't even have brightly colored clothing. A lot of times my stuff was, depending on what the costume was, it could be dark or whatever. You know what I mean? It was, you know, 
So yeah, I just, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I, I guess it was a different time. Like, you know, you could just, uh, like caution and personal safety was, uh, was, was an afterthought. Yeah, it's kind of weird back then. Like, safety was just like, eh, we'll get to it eventually. Let's see how many deaths there are first to see if it's worth it. <laughs> That's the only time they, 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 there was no, no one was proactive with safety. Like, only if there was an incident. Like, you know, was, you know, 20 kids on one block killed and abducted. I was like, well, maybe we should start doing something. <laughs> All right, I'll just, I'll, I'll put a light on the tap. That should be enough. Uh, I don't understand what the point is of taking, like, little toddlers out trick-or-treating. I mean... At this point, they really, once they're like under three, I don't think they understand really what's going on, why they're in a costume, why people are giving them candy. That sets a trend of people giving, strangers are giving them candy. Stranger, the whole thing about well, youth is you're not supposed to eat candy from strangers except for Halloween. It's okay. If you're like one or maybe two, they're not even, they're not even getting the candy. The candy goes directly to the adults. Yeah, that's so, no way. I mean, that's like a, I, for me, kid. Yeah, I, I took uh, like my, my then toddler son to a few, few houses. But it's funny because I was just introducing him to the neighborhood. Like, not so like, hey, want some candy for him? Like, you can, no, that's not. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. You know who's getting the candy? No, thank you. Like, oh, <laughs> want to say hi. You're the one picking through. You're like, hold on a second. Let me look through. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> let, let, let me see what he likes here. Uh, no, he doesn't like that. I know that for sure. He only likes full-size candy bars for, for certain. <laughs> you know. What was the uh, worst? Yeah, totally. What was the worst trick or treat thing that you ever received from someone? Uh, raisins, for sure. I mean, it happened more than a couple times. Raisins. Raisins happen. We're gonna be the healthy family. Yeah, the, the healthy family. Here's a little thing of like whatever those little tiny red boxes. Uh, I got like some nickels one time. I was like, nickel? Seriously? That's, yeah, that's the one that bugs me. Is when you get like a bag of pennies. You're like, I'm gonna throw these pennies at your house to make you shut that door. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I oh, when I get school supplies, the what little plastic baggy erasers and pencil sharpeners. Like, oh, seriously, I'm off from the one day I'm off from school. You know what I mean? You want to remind me of school? <laughs> it's like my parents take care of this part. They will not buy me a king size Snickers bar. You might. Exactly. Yeah, this is it. That's <laughs> that's your job now. Like, <laughs> go back in that kitchen, find me something I like. It's that same shit you get at Christmas when your grandparents give you a sweater. You're like, no, my parents take care of the sweater part during the normal part of the year. You're supposed to buy me the Transformer that no one else can afford. Oh, sometimes I would get that homemade popcorn ball. Does that go around oh, your, your neighborhood? I fucking hate so, that thing. Make it by hand. Like almost like a Rice Krispie Treat, but with like popcorn oh, in a ball. Nasty. Okay, here's one. Here's one that I'm still confused on to this day. The vampire teeth. Can you eat those? Are they edible? They taste like wax. Oh well, they had okay. They had different kinds. They had the plastic kind you could reuse and like you know. But then they had the kind of the wax teeth that you could put in there, and then you could also eat if you wanted to. Why I mean, you you, you're not. The, you, Why would you eat this thing? Eat, you could either eat it or chew it until it like loses flavor and spit it out, which you really should do anyway. But you know. couldn't eat it if you want. I mean, I don't stand yeah. around my house going that candle looks delicious, but I wish it had a flavor. Well, they have to make it like non-toxic and edible, just in case somebody swallows it. It can't cause any damage. You know, how dumb some some dumb dipshit kids are. You know. <laughs> Do you remember candy um, cigarettes? <laughs> Getting those, you felt yeah. like a bag. You're like, oh, hello, hello. What's this? There was two different kinds. There was like the the white hard chalk kind of candy with like the little red tip. Yeah. It looks it looks like. It. And then there was the the bubble gum kind that you just kind of blow out little powdered sugar, so it's like you're kind of blowing out smoke. Yeah, I remember those. I preferred the hard sticks. You used to get those for like a quarter. Yeah, now they became like so rare that you now I can find like a box of six for twelve bucks. 
Yeah, well, you know, they don't want to encourage smoking because that's really hard to get a hold of those these days. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of taboo to, like, you know, to even see those, let alone get them. And do you remember when, like, Reese's Pieces and Skittles premiered? You're like, holy shit, what's this? Oh, well, yeah, especially with the whole, um, what's it called, uh, E.T. tie-in. Those yeah. things were, like, flying. So I never cared for Reese's Pieces, and I wanted to like them because I like E.T. You know, I'm like, I want to like these, and I like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I'm like, I just don't, I don't know what it is. It's uh, supposedly supposed to be the same peanut butter, but I just can't, oh, for what, whatever whatever the reason, I just could not get into Reese's uh, Pieces. Yeah, like, there needed to be, there needed, if, if they're enrolled in chocolate, like little mini versions of the cup, like, but whatever that candy coated, you know, flavoring was, was just, just, just lost on me. <laughs> All right. So, uh, with the costumes, do you remember any that you had? Mm. Yeah, I think I was an army guy once. You know, like uh, I borrowed like one of my uncle's old army. Or no, I went. To, I think I went, we went to an army navy store and got some some shit. That's what that's what. And then, uh, uh, I never had any really mind blowing, super cool costumes. Like, like one of those ones you kids like, damn, that kid put a lot of thought into it. Mine were always like. Like the week before, even though I was always jazzed for Halloween, I was super lazy. So everything was always like last minute. Like, what can I throw together? You know what I mean? The last minute to go and grab some candy with. It has to be cool enough that somebody might, might want to give me an extra uh, piece of candy. You know what I mean? But not so cool it's going to cost me a lot of money. Because yeah. it's weird that they give can- more candy out for merit on the costume. I think that's why costumes oh, they have changed now because they're like, hold on, we got to put some more thought into this because I want to score this year. Yeah, I find myself doing that too. Like, that's a cool kid. You go, you just, no, you know what? Take an extra. You know, you need to do it like without even thinking about it. Like, oh, that's a put a thought of that. I get the reference, you know, and you put, put a few more pieces in there. Whereas, you know, some kid with like, you know, just some a little bit of like face paint or barely barely on there. Like, all right, here you go. Here's a here's one here's one thing of Smarties. That's it. Get I out of here. hate the lazy zombie. I'm just gonna put blood on my face and pretend to be dead. Like, fuck you. You didn't even try. Everybody's a zombie. Stop it. <laughs> I'm a I'm a normal flesh tone zombie. I just I just turned a zombie, so I haven't fully started decaying yet. Yeah. And I'm uh, feeling really well. I feel a little fluish, and the only cure for the flu is chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have normal looking person zombie syndrome, and that's uh yeah, it's very deceptive. You wouldn't even think I was a zombie. It's crazy. I'm a workplace zombie, so I'm not technically dead. I just feel <laughs> dead inside. I'm dead in the eyes, as you can see. So. uh um the one costume i remember like uh so i was uh you know the the classic plastic ones i was bugs bunny and then i was uh darth vader for a while um but i remember one year i wanted to go as boba fett and back then boba fett wasn't a thing um he was kind of just a cult item you know very few people really noticed him he didn't have all that merch and um yeah so they didn't have any costumes of him so i asked my mom can you and i had the doll you know the little three quarter inch figure and I was like, can you somehow make this? And instead of, like, I don't know why we didn't just take, like, cardboard, cut it out to a mask, whatever. Uh, she took the Avon makeup and drew the design of the mask on my face. What we didn't know, though, was that I was horribly allergic to it. So uh, I couldn't wear it to school, took it off, and I broke out so bad that it looked like Darth Maul. I mean, my face was red for <laughs> Halloween. So that was weird. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, well, I would. <laughs> yeah, I spent a bunch of money on a werewolf mask at uh, one of our local costume shops. I mean, it was probably 30 bucks, but back then that's a ton of money to a kid in fourth grade. And I wore that thing for the next 
five years maybe. Uh, same tore up clothes, same mask, and eventually it would just start to stink a little bit more than it should have. Yeah, I think when I was like 18, uh, I went to like a small get together uh, uh, at a house. And um, I put like the you know the glue the little the, the facial um, you know the hair on your face like the like the wolf man kind of yeah. deal you know, but like that you apply yourself and then I and then we went and we proceeded to like drop acid and I keep having to remind myself that I was like oh my god who is that you were like oh right but I'm on acid and I'm in makeup that's not a monster that's me okay maybe it wasn't a good idea to either drop acid or something like a werewolf maybe both are bad ideas. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh thank goodness! I forgot. <laughs> yeah, well, the number one rule of like dropping acid is like never stare at yourself in the mirror because you'll see weird stuff and you think like you know something's going out of your face or you're you know what I mean you superimpose on stupid stuff. But then especially if you're dressed like a monster, maybe not a good idea. Oh, <laughs> you know. That's great. Uh, <laughs> after that, uh, costumes got kind of sketchy for me. I remember. Um, I think it was seventh grade or maybe eighth grade. I wore the werewolf costume out and we're out trick or treating with my sister. And I realized, oh, I'm too old to do this now because a everybody's looking at me weird. I'm taller than everybody else by like a foot, and um, kids are driving by like just insulting me, you know, just saying, oh, take off your mask, loser, and stuff like that. So you had that moment where, oh, I guess innocence is over. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, you know, there comes a point where like even though, even when you want to, you're like kind of. You, you feel like bad like you, you feel bad that the uh the owners of the house feel bad about like giving you candy it's like you know i don't want to fucking i don't want to weird anybody out so even though i still want to do it i still feel like a kid they don't they don't think so so maybe i should just better stop to make it less awkward for everybody once you have a job and you can earn money to buy candy, because that's the only reason to get a job when you're 16, um, <laughs> uh, you can't trick-or-treat anymore. If you come to my house and you are of driving age, if you have facial hair, you're gone. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Wait, you know, what did you find were the best places to score candy? Is there certain parts of your neighborhood where like, um, there was like candy was more plentiful than others? Um. Well, uh, sometimes we do it in our neighborhood, but we always lived in kind of like, you know, the generic, not really suburbs, but just like one of those normal neighborhoods in the city. Uh, it was terrible in Huntington, Indiana. I don't know why nobody ever gave out anything. That was a cow town of it. So we'd go to my grandparents, and they lived in a Boyd, which was a ritzy, you know, fancy neighborhood of Fort Wayne. And, oh my God, you just score. I mean, I had my little plastic shitty pumpkin. You know, it should only fit so much, but I felt like I was like, maybe I should go as a kangaroo next year and fill my pouch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for us, so we would hit our like little kind of our, our little neighborhood, like our block, on the way to like an apartment complex, and that was like the jackpot because you can get you can get so many more houses in such a short amount of time. So you can just and you can just like just just volume, knock knock, no answer. Okay, next one, knock knock. There you go, knock knock. There you go, knock knock, no answer. Okay, cool. You can keep going. Whereas you got to go all the way. If no, you weren't sometimes you weren't sure if somebody was home or not, and you have to go all the way across the lawn to another house. You could just hit so many so quick, and we would fill up our bags so fast. And I don't know, like um, maybe that's just a suburban Philadelphia thing where like you could have trick or treating at apartment complexes. But when I lived in um, in Beaverton in, in my apartment complex. Not only, like they will let it be known that you're not to give out candy, uh, you're not to trick or treat there, you're not supposed to, you know what I mean? So that's weird. yeah, so it's not allowed in certain complexes in certain parts of the country, or maybe it's a modern condition. And I'm not like I'm not really sure, but I feel bad for those kids who live there because like I had to take my kids to a different um, housing area 
like uh, you know a couple couple uh, blocks away, which feels weird. Like you're supposed to trick or treat in your own area. Yeah, That's kind of the point. You know those people. You trust those people at least a little bit. Um, right. It seems like right. it's changing too. That we're not even doing trick or treat anymore. And now it seems like it's always a community thing where you go to the community center or something like that, and they hand out candy there and there's events and stuff like that, a safe place instead of going to people's houses was what, that's what we actually had in Monterey. Um, do you realize okay. in the story we've talked about 12 different cities, we move around a lot. <laughs> uh, in Monterey, yeah. the, the kids would come to the community center and get candy, uh, more of a safe place. We have events where they can play games and they can get candy by playing the games and stuff like that. Um, so I think the, the world is changing to that because it seems like a paranoid, distrustful world and, and sometimes rightfully so. True, true. Yeah, I mean, other places I lived, uh, I didn't think about what kids did because I didn't have kids. And, like, they were, like, the furthest thing from my mind. And I was, like, kind of far, far removed from, like, being a child. And, like, you know what I mean? I was, like, in my mid-20s. So, But um, yeah, I remember, like, uh, when I lived in Biloxi, uh, we went to a pretty cool um, Halloween party, like, on the beach, which was the only time I've ever done that. And it was really, really kick-ass. We brought some hay bales out there, and we just had a bonfire going, and it was just, like... Uh, yeah, I had a, I don't know, can't remember what my costume was. I think it was a burglar. It's pretty, pretty low rent, you know. And you were, my girlfriend you were in an Halloween costume, were you? You were out of a job and you're looking for some quick cash. You're like, I'm going to dress uh, up. I, I, happen to be, I happen to be casing a joint and I just crashed this party. And I'm like, all right. So this pads out. And my girlfriend at the time was like a, like a space alien. She just had like a silver like dress and shirt and, you know, she didn't put a lot of thought in her costume either. But uh, that was really fun, you know. Just uh, having a Halloween party on the beach, you know, was uh, it's like first and only time, probably last time I'll ever do that. I remember we went to one. I was at a friend's house, and we kind of did costumes at the last minute. I just happened to have, like, sort of things I could turn into a Han Solo costume. By this time, I was balding, so it was a guy with glasses, balding, and a goatee uh, Han Solo, which is just the worst cosplay ever. It amazes me how well it's done today. They're so fine, you know, down to the very detail of what the person looks like. And I was so half-assed. It was like, oh, I got a black vest and a white shirt, and, and I can make this uh, uh, mixer from the kitchen into a zapper. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what cosplay guys do during Halloween. I wonder what the pressure like is. Like, they're like, I pretty much do Halloween all year round, but on Halloween, I really got to ramp it up. I, mean, I will I, say this. I was so bad. I was so bad for him. Every day is Halloween in Portland. Shit, you not. If you've never been to Portland, there's always somebody there going, "You're still in costume, aren't you?" And he goes, "Every day it's like this, and I switch around whenever I want." <laughs> uh, I remember when I first um, when I first well uh, moved to Portland like, in 2003. I was at a coffee shop, and there was this guy, head to toe blue. His face was blue. His hair was blue. Beard was blue. And I don't know. I think it was like uh, March. And I'm like, uh, what's for that guy? Like, oh, that's, that's, a, that's blue whatever, blue Steve. Well, yeah, he, he does that shit. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, do you remember the guy who came into the store we worked at and he would shave one side of his face and leave a beard on one side and shave the hair really close on one side and leave it long on the other? And that was like his thing for the day. Like every day. Yeah, yeah. And then there was uh, the crazy, like, uh, I don't know, the bag lady of Beaverton, but she was like Japanese. It was like a crazy crazy flowery the get up and flower this, like, lady yes we were just talking about her yesterday yeah. she used to hang out at safeway but she would come in every once in a while and that's not a costume but you can kind of feel that vibe You're like oh all right you, uh, it's it's a great well, place was, though because we don't judge you for how you act and how you dress because you just let people be, be people oh yeah and you know there's also that um i not 
the, this kid wasn't transgendered or anything, but he would just like wear a dress. Like a regular oh, dude. I remember that guy. Yeah, I forgot about black, that. Black hair, wear a dress, had his cheeks pierced randomly for some reason, and he would just wear a dress. You know, a black dress, uh, and that's it. You know, and, and like, you know, normal, like, man clothes up top, but it's like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dress guy. You know, and like, you know, nobody said, and like, somebody tried to make uh, uh, the argument that he was a girl, and then, like, I can't remember, I was talking to, like, uh, I think Hades was like, no, I went to high school with him, he's definitely a dude. He's like, I, you know, I, I know for a fact he's a guy. I'm like, okay. But yeah, but he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't trying to, it's really strange. You know what I mean? You could just do something like that. Just decide to wear that article of clothing. I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. But it, that's the great part about it. If you love Halloween, seriously, Portland is a town that just embraces doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Though I think if you dress up all the time, it does kill a little bit of the, the specialness of Halloween. It's like when people watch ho- uh, horror movies all year long. Like every single Hallow- uh, day is Halloween to them. They dress in costume. The cosplay thing is kind of different from Halloween. Um, but it does feel like it's in that vein. Like if you're constantly spending your time building new costumes and it's not a job, it's like when October rolls around, does it mean the same thing anymore? Or is it just like, oh, another time for another costume? What's what's quarter three? Yeah, we're in quarter three. <laughs> Business as usual day. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the the one last costume that I remember, and I didn't do it. It was when I was dressed as Halloween, uh, as uh, Han Solo. My roommate decided to go as a mummy. We went to Walgreens and bought a shitload of gauze. And I remember being in that apartment where we're having our party with like thirty people in this tiny apartment, getting drunk. And uh, he's like, "Huh, I think maybe this uh, this costume was a uh, a little bit of a problem. Maybe I shouldn't have chose this. Holy shit, I'm hot." <laughs> About an hour to the party, he just has all of it off. I went to um the right before I uh I, I moved away uh from I think Portland the last time when they I uh, went to uh, a friend's uh, party in like you know like in Beaverton or Loa whatever Hillsborough that kind of general area and uh, they all did like a theme like the people who lived in the house all did a theme they did like Happy Gilmore it was fucking awesome the one guy wow. did Chubbs with like he did have to go in blackface which is a little bit risque I guess but they he, he had he had like the uh, the crushed mannequin hand and everything. Uh, yeah, it was it was freaking awesome. They really went out. They uh, uh, one guy was Happy Gilmore with the sweatpants and the hockey jersey. Um, but the, the guy who did Chubbs, like that was fucking spot on. I was like, oh, I didn't even know it was him. I knew the guy. I was like, hey, hello. I got thought he was a black dude. I was like, oh my god. Oh, I didn't know. All right, <laughs> you're, you're doing that. Okay. Did you go Fair to enough. Chad and Rosa's Halloween party? I think it was 2012. Maybe it was 2011, 2012. Where um, uh, I knew of it. I was not invited. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought <laughs> didn't invite me. It's all right, no worries. <laughs> but uh, we went that year, and I dressed in like this. I made up a superhero vigilante kind of thing, where we'd wear all like shades and a top hat and and canes, what or not canes, but like um, uh, the sticks, you know, the fighting sticks and stuff like that. And I had a black suit on, and uh, I saw uh, that. I know I saw that you had like a bowler hat and like um like some. Gla- I thought you were like. A clockwork orange guy. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't I question just, it because I, I made was up, like, no dummy. <laughs> I thought I thought you were like one of the clockwork orange dudes. I'm like, all right, he's definitely. I was the night janitor <laughs> to keep the streets clean. <laughs> no, but at that party, there was a gentleman who was Caucasian, dressed as a Jamaican with blackface, and all of us were very uncomfortable. And I mean, all thirty of us, and we're all kind of looking at him, and he doesn't realize why it's bad. And we're like, dude, you are wearing blackface. He goes, yeah, but it's for Halloween. It's not offensive. It's for Halloween. And we're like, 
Um, yeah, actually, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, it still is. It's still offensive. <laughs> and for context, like, Portland is very super PC, maybe one of the more PC places I've ever lived. So that, that's another thing. You can, like, really get in trouble for, like, not being, like, politically correct. But, like, at this party with this guy with blackface, his one, uh, the guy's friend and coworker came, who happens to be black. And I don't know if we figure, like, oh, he's cool with it. He was laughing. So, like, okay, it's okay that we appreciate his costume now, too. So, you know, you, you don't want to act offended, but you don't want to act, like, not offended either. So, you know what I mean? What, what, what was it like? Like, you wait, waited for his reaction, like, all of you were staring over there and, like, <laughs> like, is he cool with it? Okay, all right. Yeah, we can, we can it's good, it. it's good, he approves, he's okay. Wait, he, he kind of approves. Hold on a second, my turn, my turn. Give it a second. <laughs> it's safe to like his costume, it's okay. All right, so we've done the treat part. Now let's discuss the trick part. Did you do any sort of pranks? You know, uh, well, whatever the night before was, we did. We would do like a, what's it called, mischief night? I don't yeah. know what's called in different parts of the country. But we call it mischief night. We would like, you know, egg somebody's house or you know, firecrackers on their front, you know, porch or something, you know, stuff like that. But that's about it. You know, generally if we didn't care for them, that we'd do stuff otherwise. Wouldn't we? But like at, at Halloween, we like that night out, we really didn't do it because we were busy going to other people's houses. But nobody asked us to do a trick either. Like trick or treat. No one's like, all right, trick. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you're like, seriously? Uh, I got nothing. You get no candy, slam. So thankfully that never happened. really oh. weird. You want to TP my house? That's a great trick. Now meet my shotgun before you start. No, we're good. All right, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we would do like the generic ones. We we would do like you know the TP and but I remember feeling really guilty about it because I was like, we should go back. We should totally go back and get it. And he's like, how are we gonna get that out of the trees? Did you see a step ladder on the car? No, leave it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like unless they give you, I guess are we are we thought about it when they gave you some really shitty candy but i'm like yeah just 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 forget it don't don't like anything bad at his house just just keep in mind for next year not to go to him you know maybe he'll get the maybe he'll get the point some people (laughs) right did you ever accidentally leave your lights on when you didn't intend to and all of a sudden you get a knock on your door trick or treat you're like son of a bitch i better go find something right now and then turn off my light yeah a lot of times actually i ran out of it and i forgot to turn off the light like well sometimes it's dead like too late anyway it's like 9 30 yeah dude Everyone knows international time for trick or treat stopping is nine, so it shouldn't be after nine trick or treating. Trick or treating is now during the day. I, I hardly ever see any kids at night, and it's just like, whoa, that's the exact opposite of what it's supposed to be. And that and that's the thing too. And yeah, and the, at least when I was trick or treating, you had you knew you had a short window. You knew you had about like about two hours, like a tight two hours <laughs> from like seven to nine. You know what I mean? Like all right, or maybe six thirty. You know, depending on you know if it got got super dark. But like now, yeah, it's like five o'clock, still light out. Kids are still starting trick or treating. I was like, no, wait, has to be dark. Come on, man. You know, I guess well, my Johnny's younger. He goes to bed early, so we have to do a little earlier. We should be home. I'm like, yeah, sometimes people aren't home yet, so you can get home like at five thirty or six. And some of you know, you're pulling your car in. Somebody's at your house. I'm like, dude, I just got home. Chill out. You know? <laughs> I just got off work. Well, if. Uh, I think it's funny. It's like if they knock on your door at six fifty nine, you're like, "All right, let's give out some candy." Seven o'clock. I'm gonna be murdered if I open that door. I'm not opening that. No way. Yeah, well, yeah. That's the thing. If it's like seven, you're like, you know, like, come on, man. Everybody knows seven o'clock is that trick or treat time. You gotta abide by the rules. Seven to nine. That's the window. You have candy. If you have your lights on, that means you have to have candy. Come on. Next thing you find your pumpkin all destroyed. That pumpkin you spent so much time carving. I hated that when I was a kid. I would carve the most perfect pumpkin. 
and then find it the next day just completely just obliterated. Oh, yeah, they kids do that, too. A lot of times we would just have a pumpkin out as decoration, and they were just like, eh, smash. Maybe even worse because the guts and stuff were still in there. I was like, God damn it. You know, it's got to clean all that stuff up. You son of a bitch. We, uh, I always liked it when you would go to a house that was unbelievably decorated. Portland's filled with houses that are wonderfully decorated. Uh, Indiana, not so much. California, uh, they have no time because they're all working six jobs to afford rent. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> When you see a house, it takes the time to put all this decorative stuff out. And you're like, that is a lot of money and a lot of work. That is so elaborate. Someone's going to destroy it if they get the chance. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it depends. I mean, like, it depends what kind of asshole kids you have in your neighborhood. You know, like, like, like may differ by generation. Like this year, I'm getting a little worried. I have some dickheads in my neighborhood. And I'm, I'm worried that they're going to, like, fuck with my house. So, you know, I'm going to stand ever vigilant by the door. You know what I mean? Just so I could catch them in the act. Like, what was that? You know, please record like, yourself yeah, going, get off my lawn. <laughs> I, dude, I find myself doing that all the time. Because when kids go off school, they cut through my lawn conveniently. I'm like, and it's like, I'm not trying to be like old man crothers, like, get off my lawn, you sons of. But like, it is a little disrespectful that you walk directly through all, all my lawn for no reason. You I, know what I mean? Like, it saves precious, like, two seconds. It saves two seconds of time. Yeah, I know. What you should do is get a bear trap or a fake bear trap. And just one, one day, just wait for them to come around the corner. And just as they're coming around the corner, like, be slowly covering the bear trap in treats. So like, oh, whoa, whoa, here you go. <laughs> get one of those signs, they like, invisible electric fence for the dog. Yeah. You know? Just so like, I don't know. Should I gamble? Werewolf inside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, when you do go to those houses that are wildly elaborate, I just, I'm so impressed. But uh, one year we tried to do one. Uh, I was, uh, a friend of mine, he had a lot of money and he was actually quite uh, oddly younger than me, like four or year, five years younger. And when you're in like middle school and he's in elementary school, that's weird. But we got along and we're planning this huge Halloween thing about having people come in this way or whatever. And we were going to charge like a dollar to cover the cost. And we were like getting the rope and designing the noose. And I was like, well, what if you pretended to hang from this? And, uh, and, um, you know, when someone comes around, we just drop, but you're safe. But we didn't know anything about how to do that. And so he puts the noose around his neck, and he <laughs> jumps off, and he nearly breaks his neck. I was not allowed to hang out with that kid after that. <laughs> you almost made it way too real. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, he's almost dead. Like, Hold on, kid. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I wish I could. There's uh, The people who can put the time and money into that, mm, I, I'm impressed. Yeah, like, as a kid, my, my, uh, my friend's parents, like, did that. And, like, I think I put, like, a paper pumpkin on my door. You know what I mean? That was about it. And I made it in our class for the door. But like, yeah, he had like lighting and strobe lights and, you know, the, the crazy fake tombstones and like monsters coming through the door. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, and he's like, dude, it's my fucking parents. I don't, you know, I, don't, I think I give a crap about all this. I think they're, they're, they're way, way more than I am. I, you know, I just, I'm in it for the candy. That's about it. You know? Yeah. I, uh, there's something else I was going to say about Halloween and I completely flaked. So, <laughs> oh, is there anything you want to say about Halloween? What's that? No, I just, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely changed. Uh, I mean, the magic is lost on me. Hopefully, it's still fun for uh, for kids of this generation. But, uh, yeah, all I about that candy, son. I remember we went downtown once to see the kids trick-or-treat, and then I was like, wow, if I was by myself, I'd look like a total creeper right now waiting to steal a child. Thank goodness I came with somebody else. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm not, I don't have any kids trick-or-treating. I'm just, uh, I'm scouting. I'm scouting right now. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm not a pedophile, I promise you. 
Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I wish it still had the specialness, and I wish it had the innocence that it used to have. I mean, we, we kind of started trick-or-treating around the time that it got a little weird, you know, like, like I said, with the apples and razor blades. But um, right. now it just feels like a paranoid mess, and there's no sense of community with Halloween. Yeah, it just, yeah, it feels like really, it kind of feels forced. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, it feels, it feels forced on all parts for the kids. But, like, you know, at least that's my, you know, that's when I take my kids. It feels like, you know, like, oh, yeah, here, here you go. And the kids like the same thing. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, and now I find myself just, uh, just watching Halloween movies around the house and, uh, I mean, if you ever work retail for Halloween, I'm so sorry. Oh, holy shit, trying to put those costumes back together when there's bits and pieces everywhere and there might be missing pieces. And you're like, I guess, well, clearances? I don't know. Should I just throw it? I want to take everything and throw it in the trash because I had to run Halloween one year, and uh, I would have, like, two giant uh, shopping carts filled with random bits and pieces, and I'm supposed to spend my day putting them together, and I just want to take it back to the baler, just burn it, just dump it. Yeah, people like tornado their way through those racks. So, like, they'll try, like, then fit. I guess I'll throw it over my shoulder and wherever it lands is fine. You know what I mean? Because in my house, I have to clear that back to myself. What do I care? Yeah, those people are such assholes. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, like you said, it doesn't have that much specialist either because I feel like, you know, you would watch Halloween movies and they'd only be on for like a couple days before Halloween. Oh, I gotta, I gotta get this now or I'm never gonna see it again. Now it's like every single channel, 31 days of Halloween. Right, yeah, that's like the guy just kind of oversaturated with, uh, Halloween stuff. It was like, yeah, it was like very rare. Like, and you could only see it like maybe after eight o'clock. So you would. The cool part about getting done your trick or treating is like, now I can go home and watch watch uh, scary movies that'll be on TV, and they never they're hardly ever on. So it's like a rare treat, and I can watch that till like about ten o'clock, and then tomorrow I gotta go to school. So you had like, you know, everything was like precision, you know. But now it's like, yeah, Halloween, you know, scary movies whenever you want it on your interwebs. It's all you know, whatever you want, all the time. It's like you know, a little, a little too much, too much freedom. <laughs> Too much freedom. Too much America. <laughs> too much America. Yeah. <laughs> you, do they, they have Halloween in other countries, right? They, well, okay. I know this because I, I went, you know, when I lived in England in 96, uh, I wasn't, I didn't know that ne they don't do Halloween like we do it. I think they're a little more in it so than when I was there. But they do it. Some places do it. And some places, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was knocking on the door, like, you know, trick treat. You know, I was 21. I was just fucking around. And I just see if they would, like, you know, I know if you can help you. I'm like, trick treat. Like, what? Oh, yeah, we don't. Yeah, I can tell by your accent you're American. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't do. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a thing over here. Some places, maybe. Like, some bars would have some, you know, you wear a costume for Halloween. But, um, and I think they were just latching on to our, our, our holiday. But uh, I think they do so a little more now. But, um, yeah, like, certain clubs and stuff, they would uh, do a Halloween-themed party, maybe. But uh, as far as, like, kids going door-to-door, what I was told really wasn't that much of a thing, but you know, who uh, knows nowadays? Yeah, I wonder if they come over here and see all the merch for it. And it's like that's insane. You guys put this stuff up in August, <laughs> and it's two and a half months yeah, from now. You know I mean, probably in Canada they they do. I'm sure they do because you know, our neighbors up north they look pretty similar as far as customs and traditions. I bet they do Halloween, you know, like pretty similar to how we do it, you know. But as far as overseas, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, that most Majority of countries don't, at least, or, or anywhere near what we do. No. You know. The single worst memory I have of Halloween is when we decided to sneak into an old haunted house. Did you ever have an old haunted house that people would be terrified to go to? Or not even not even one that was empty, like the one where, like, oh, the old lady was over there. She gives out candy, but I'm not going over there because she'll murder us. We went to, like, graveyard and see, see spirits. We did have some abandoned houses, but we didn't have the balls to do it during Halloween. 
I don't know why. Or, or even dark. Even when it was dark, he's there because it was like, you know, we didn't want to do it. Because, you know, we were like half-assed type guys. <laughs> You're like, you know, a little, little chit gets a little surreal when it's dark. But so we would just kind of walk through the, uh, through, through the, you know, the, 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 the uh, pretty, pretty, pretty well lit graveyard. Like, will we see the ghosts? I don't. Yeah, I don't say anything. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Many times, going yeah. to the graveyard in Halloween just scared the shit out of me. But the worst one we ever had, uh, I shouldn't have said haunted house because we've been to a couple haunted houses, okay? But we went out to the old sanitarium. What the fuck were we thinking? Ooh. Sanitarium? Haven't we seen movies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> and I remember we you got guys, out- you guys have some stones on. Yeah, we got out. We got out, and uh, we were getting ready to walk inside. And then all of a sudden, we saw a body's dart, and we're like, "We're getting back in the car, run!" <laughs> Not realizing it was probably just another, of, probably another group of kids just like us who had snuck in. We had um, there's this 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 weird little stretch of road in a uh, area called uh, Roxborough, Texas, Philadelphia, and it was called Catman's Lane. And the reason they do that is like if you go drive on the road, you park your car, you turn off. You turn off your your headlights, or whatever. You can see a pair. You're supposed to see a pair of glowing red eyes, because there was like I, the Catman, who was like uh, rumored to be roaming the woods back there, and that was like that was like a thing for us. You know, like, oh shit, did you see the Catman? Catman's land, and I never did. But I'm like, oh, I saw him, dude. I saw those glowing red eyes, man. Shit got real. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. hey, so buddy. We had the Satanic yeah. Barn. Where apparently satanic cult would go there and sacrifice things, and we drove out there once on a dare, and once we saw the pentagram on the side of the bomb, we we're like, "Mailing, we were such chicken shits. We never, we would never do this." And we'd hear rumor that people, "Oh yeah, I totally went out there, man. Oh my god, I saw them. They were, they were killing a cat." And you're like, "Why did you stick around? The minute you saw people out there, bail, run." <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are almost to our hour point. Is there anything else we want to say about Halloween before we go? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, get, yeah, get while you can appreciate it for as long as you can. Cause, uh, eventually someday it will no longer be as magical as it once was. At least that's the way it was for me. My magical idea of Halloween is the day after Halloween where I'm like, Oh, Clarence candy. Let me get some pumpkins. <laughs> oh yeah. Or like morning time, like bre- candy for breakfast, candy for lunch, candy for dinner. It's all around the candy. It's candy all the time. <laughs> oh, why am I sick to my stomach? Oh my God. It's funny, as a kid, you couldn't you know, help help. yourself at all with the candy, but now you're like, eh, I'll spread it out. Yeah, like, you was like, oh, my stomach hurts. You know what to help this out? Probably some more candy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment, where you'll find all the episodes of Stumbling Towards Adulthood and our other podcasts. And I'm going to end this with the song I was telling you about earlier, the band song that Fresh Prince uh, Will Smith got sued for because he had no right to make a song and use sound clips from Nightmare on Elm Street. 